breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. All right, looking around the NHL tonight in the second period, Blue Jackets and Maple Leafs tied 1-1. Also in the second period, Detroit up 2-0 on Montreal. Sabres and Panthers in a 1-1 tie. Hurricanes lead the Senators 2-zip. That's after one. An early second period, Devils and Penguins. New Jersey with a 2-0 lead. Oilers and Kings here on 6.30, Chad. Game's going to start at 8.30. We'll transition to the face-off show at 7. Several other games still to come this evening, including a big one in Calgary. Chicago taking on the Flames. If the Flames win, they tie Winnipeg for the last playoff spot in the Western Conference, but Winnipeg would have a game in hand, and they play each other tomorrow. So another massive game for the Calgary Flames. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. He has the play-by-play on Rogers Sportsnet this evening of the Oilers and the Kings. It's my good buddy, Jack Michaels, checking in from Los Angeles. Jack, how are you doing, sir? Well, we are good buddies. So as I recall now, I'm going to charge this against the inside sports budget rather than the pregame show budget. Is that correct? Yes. uh, Send this one to the inside sports department. Kellen Kennedy can help you out. He's got some loose change lying around. That's perfect. I I just feel like I was hired under false pretenses. So I've just got to adjust the billing cycles. Okay. Yes, please do. Hey, how was the baseball experience last night, man? Oh, it was awesome. Yeah, no, you would have, you would have had a you would have had a great time, Reed. It's one of those memories that you just don't get back. So, you know, sadly you'll be forced to live out the remainder of your life uh feeling you missed out on a great time. Or you might consider yourself lucky that you weren't sitting in howling forty mile an hour winds. Uh at the risk of at the risk of sounding a bit spoiled, it, it was a, a chilly night. I think when you arrive in L.A. and expect better, that it magnifies the frost impact. So I think I was colder than I would have been had I been watching that game in, say, Spruce Grove as opposed to Chavez Ravine, only because my expectations were a little bit brighter. But you know me, I never like to miss a ball game. It was fantastic. Had a great time. Uh, But, yeah, you're not missing much in terms of, and I know you're not a sunbather, but uh, this is not a trip uh, to get away and and enjoy some beach time. We'll just put it to you that way. They've had a hard winter in California. I'm telling you what, you talk to the locals down here, and you would have thought they live in Reykjavik. Uh, they they are they are not pleased with the consistent uh, single digit Celsius temperatures they've had all winter. Thirteen uh, four, the Dodgers beat the Rockies, and yeah, I've seen some posts about how windy it is there in Los Angeles. I I have been to Dodger Stadium, so I have had that, that experience. How many yeah. big league stadiums for you? Have you been to all of them or close to all of them? Level. <laughs> What's that? You got to go with me. I mean, when you oh go to goodness. a ballpark, I'm a prerequisite. Am I not? Oh, so, so you're the only way it could be truly experienced, eh? That's... I think so. I, I think that's a fair assessment right there. I'm glad no. you actually made it even more concise than I was trying to get at. But you're you're absolutely right. I concur with your statement, and I'm glad it's recorded for posterity. Okay. So, what makes the Jack Michaels experience so important at a Major League Baseball game? 
Well, I, I don't think it's just that a Major League Baseball game. I think any time you have it's, – it's not unlike Hendricks. It is an experience unto it of itself in any situation, not just a baseball game. And you should know that. I mean, you've, you've had a chance to see me work in social circles and professional circles, and I know you come away awed by the experience. So it's, it's something I'm glad we've been able to share together low these many years. Nice. How many how many big league stadiums have been to now, Jack? And what's your favorite? Oh, that's a that's actually a good question. I think I'm in the twenties. Uh, sadly for me, I'm old enough where a couple no longer exist, including uh, including the one in my home state. Uh, but I would say I'm in the neighborhood of twenty two or twenty three. I think Chavez Ravine is right there. I mean, right there. It's a great ballpark. But, I mean, at the risk of sounding like a hometown boy, uh, I'm sorry. Like, Pittsburgh's ballpark is unbelievable. Uh, It is, you know, I mean, it is just unbelievable in terms of the backdrop, the scenery. Uh, I, I think of the new parks, Pittsburgh would be far and away the best. But I'd be lying if I said, you know, overall, in terms of just, you know, you can't beat it. It's something that does live up to it. It's got to be Wrigley. I mean, it, it's got to be Wrigley. And I, I don't like the Cubs. I don't, I don't have any interest in the Cubs. But that's a, that's a neighborhood ballpark uh, that, that oozes some real history. And it's, uh, you know, it's just fantastic. I, I find Wrigley, for instance, much more enjoyable than its classmate, uh, Fenway Park. I think they were both opened in 1912, and, and Wrigley Field is the far superior ballpark. I have not been to Wrigley. I have been to Fenway. It was cool to see a game there, but it felt like it, it feels like an old park. Like you're almost, I was sitting there thinking, like, are these supports going to stand much longer? Uh, PNC Park in Pittsburgh. And I've only been to, I think, nine or ten. So I'm less right. than half of your roster, but but PNC Park in Pittsburgh is beautiful. I it was is. there a night. There were only about nine thousand fans there. Pirates weren't very good. This was even before they, you know, got into a couple of wild card games and were in the playoffs a little bit. But you can walk all the way around the stadium on kind of that concourse, and when you're in the outfield, you're walking right. I can't remember which river it was, but like you're walking right along that river, like and looking over yeah. to downtown. It's incredible. Yeah, well, it's still at the confluence. I mean, that's the thing is they were able to weave all three rivers on there, the Ohio, Allegheny, and Monongahela. And uh, I can't I can't quite remember which river you'd be actually talking about. But but they have done a great job, and, and I'm sure you remember walking over Clemente Bridge. I mean, yep. oh, Pittsburgh, yeah. and, and, and again, I, this is where, you know, I've told you this on this program a couple times and, and, and referenced it in other platforms, is when I first came to Edmonton, you know, and kind of rolling through the River Valley, uh, there's a reason that I was struck by this strange sense of, you know, have I been here before, even though I'd never set foot in the province, let alone Edmonton. Uh, there is a bit of a, a familiar feel by by being on the river with all the bridges uh, in Pittsburgh that you get as well in Edmonton. All right, well said. Jack Michaels joining us on Inside Sports. Oilers and Kings, 8.30 Mountain Time. Cam's got the call here on the radio. Jack's got the call on the flat screen tonight. Jack, what what a what a run this has been in the Pacific Division. The Oilers have five regulation losses 
in what, three months, almost three months? And they're still third in the division. And if they lose in regulation time tonight, I know there's still some time left, but they might finish third in the division if it's two points to zero for the, in the Kings' favor this evening. Yeah, that, that is a good point, Reed. I mean, it's it's one of those scenarios where second place is on the line. Uh, the only hesitation I'd have in, in terms of, of saying, you know, definitively that the Oilers would be, would be looking at third place is the fact that the Oilers would still have, you know, three of their four games left uh, against San Jose and Anaheim. They, they have by far the easiest schedule. But, you know, Vegas keeps finding a way to win. It's not just L.A. I mean, look, the Kings have done a remarkable job of kind of reinventing themselves back to the original Kings over the last month. I mean, you know, it was it was weird. The first four months of the year, L.A. was was kind of playing like Edmonton. I mean, they were they were top ten in scoring, but bottom bottom third in, in goals against. I mean, they were twenty second in the league in goals against as recently as March the first. Since then, they've been first by a wide margin, and somehow their offense has actually improved slightly. So they're playing some great hockey. And then you you factor in a game like Vegas last night, you know, again, down a goal with 30 seconds to go. I mean, Vegas has been killing it in close games. They've won. They've won all the close games they've played with the exception of, you know, a, a couple close ones against Edmonton. I mean, I, you know, they, they've, they've, uh, you know, been beaten in overtime by Edmonton and they got beat four, three in regulation earlier this season on home ice by Edmonton, but it seems like they win every other close game. And like LA, you know, Vegas is beat up. I mean, Edmonton is doing this with a healthy roster. And like you indicate, they've gained a little ground over this stretch, but they haven't. I mean, if you'd have told me that Edmonton would lose five games from the last time they were in this building, and that's it in regulation, Reed, I would have, I would have said the Oilers would be leading the division by six points. And I right. would have felt, I would have felt comfortable in that. Instead, you know they're down four, and and they're and they're in third place, as you rightfully point out. So a big game tonight. I think if I think if the Oilers win it, they're the odds-on favorite to win the division. But as you point out, if they lose in regulation in particular, they're probably you know in spite of that schedule, they're probably looking at potentially opening the playoffs on the road because these other teams simply refuse to lose. Yeah. Jack, uh, thanks for doing this. Before I let you go, I like I, I know it's talked about a lot, but I, I just want to again get your context for what McDavid and Drysaddle are doing. I, I mean, they're both over 120 points. No two guys on the same team have done that since Lemieux and Yager in '95, '96. We see so many of their accomplishments popping up that are put them in the same category as Gretzky, Curry, Messier, Anderson for offensive production, especially with some of the things that David uh, has done. And, and I know, I, I think, and you and I have talked a lot this year about, I, I think we're just at the start of a more offensive era in the NHL. I don't think we're fully into it yet. But just, I just want to get your context for the points that these guys continue to put up. I mean, they're both on double-digit point streaks going into this game. You know what I mean? Well, Here's the thing. <laughs> the, Oil- the Oilers are, in my opinion, solely responsible for the fact that scoring is up even from last year. And when last year was the highest scoring year since 95, 96, this is the highest scoring year 
since 93, 94. And the best perspective I can give you is if you really want to break it down, it's McDavid and Dreisaitl that's responsible for that increase. And, and them alone. Not even just the Oilers. Them alone. Here's what I mean by that. Leon Dreisaitl has 50 goals and 120 points with five games to go in the regular season. And he is 26 points out of the scoring title. I mean, if you had said that even three years ago, you'd say he'd be 15 points up in the scoring race. I mean, this is a league that seven years ago had a scoring champion who had 88 points or 87. I'm sorry. 87. Now look at, and then look at dry settles numbers, even at the 120. He is 16 points ahead of the third place guy, Nikita Kucherov. So McDavid has, I mean, he has a 42-point lead on the third place guy in the scoring race. 42 points. The year before McDavid entered the league, I think you had 87, 86, 85. Now, less than a decade later, you've got a guy who's more than 40 points ahead of the third. That's the best I can, in terms of if you're asking me to, you know, somehow boil that down, those are the numbers that that shock me, is that McDavid has that big of a lead over Dreisaitl and that Dreisaitl has that big of a lead over Kucherov. It's just almost unfathomable, and that's why – Names like Lemieux and Yager and Gretzky and Curry and Coffee keep popping up. Well, even the first time McDavid won the Art Ross in in sixteen seventeen, remember he got his one hundredth point in the last game of the season, game eighty two. Right. He got his one hundredth point, and he got his hundredth point. Correct me if I'm wrong, but did he not get his hundredth point? And I believe it was game fifty six. I mean, come on! You know, 50, that's twenty-six games ahead yeah. of his, you know, MVP caliber season. You know, he's twenty-six games ahead of it. So, look, it's uh, it's it's a fabulous year, uh, and I, I think this team, in many ways, and and you saw a glimpse of it or heard a glimpse of it the other night when we had Leon on uh, on the post game show. I think you're also talking about two players who are absolutely not only in the prime of their hockey careers, but they are, they are adults. They are comfortable in their own skin. They are more comfortable in acknowledging their individual accomplishments, and they are even more focused on what they are truly after. And that's a Stanley cup championship. And I think this team is no longer a young, talented team. It's no longer an offensively gifted team. This is a team that's a real contender for a Stanley Cup. And, you know, last year's conference final run may have been surprising to some. I don't know why anyone would be surprised if Edmonton is once again in the final four this season. They're playing good hockey. They're getting contributions from everyone. They're you know, well in the plus since January the 1st when guys other than McDavid and Drysaddle are on the ice. I think Edmonton has had a rough patch in terms of expectations since the 06 Stanley Cup playoff run. So there's some scar tissue there in the community in the city. But I think it's high time that we recognize that Edmonton is no longer a lovable underdog. 
They are a favorite, and they deserve. And I think they deserve that mantle. It doesn't mean they're going to win, but it shouldn't come as any surprise if they do. Jack, have a great call tonight. Your check's in the mail. I'm just not saying it was mailed to your address, though. Oh, well, that could be an issue. We'll work on that, Reed. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, buddy. Anytime. Take care. That is Jack Michaels has the call of the Oilers and Kings on TV tonight on Sportsnet. It'll be Cam Moon and Bob Stoffer here on 630 Chad. They'll both join me on the uh, face-off show, which is going to start at 7 o'clock. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. All right. Oilers and Kings in a couple hours here on 6.30. Chet Skinner expected to be the goaltender for the Oilers. He shut out the Kings last week, and then Jack Campbell followed that up with a shutout of the Ducks on Saturday night. Head coach Jay Woodcroft commenting on those back-to-back clean sheets. Yeah, they've been good. They're a part of our team, and I think our team as a whole has been good. I think our team can share in those those type of uh, successes. Um, but nobody's happier for our goaltending department than than the players and and the coaches. And so uh, for them to have put up two really good games in back to back fashion, um, that's going to be important for us as we move forward. But again, our focus and attention right now is is on what's immediately before us, and that's the LA Kings. All right, a little bit there from uh, Jay Woodcroft, Oilers and Kings, coming up at uh, 8.30. Watch the uh, NCAA championship game after the show last night. i got to admit, I was pulling for San Diego State because Steve Sir, Edmontonian, GM of the Stingers, played for San Diego State about 20 years ago. He was pretty happy to see them make the final, but Connecticut uh, pretty much in control throughout the game. The Aztecs flirted with a comeback in the second half, but couldn't quite get there. We got uh, a great local filmmaker coming up next on Inside Sports.